Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. Check out our podcasts at FiringLineRadio.com, FiringLineRadio.com. And also, we're on Facebook. Join the group if you want to be involved in all the fun stuff we're doing. Speaking of which, Vegas. We're going to Vegas and doing a seminar February 24th through the 28th. We're uh, hooked up with Rex Defense, RexDefense.com and uh, Rex Reviews. You can also find him there. And he's going to do his long-range precision seminar Monday and Tuesday. Then we've got a Tradecraft from Tradecraft International Wednesday, Thursday. And I'm going to do the Big Game Primer, Big Game Hunting Primer on Friday the 28th. So you can find out more at RexDefense.com. Go to Schedule of Classes and get out there. I actually um, talked him into doing a family special because, you know, hunting is something you shouldn't have to do alone. So if you, we have discounts, if you have more than one person coming from your family, make sure you apply for that and uh, we'll make it as affordable as possible. But want to get you out there. That's going to be February 28th, I believe is the Friday, the day that I'm doing my seminar. Anyway, folks, back here, we also have March 3rd. March 3rd is our primary. So those of us who are Second Amendment supporters know that our duty is to vote. And next week's show is going to be devoted to all of the local elections. All right. If you're still trying to decide between Bernie and Buttigieg and and whatever Focahontas, get off my show. Don't listen anymore. Just you're not. This show is not for you. Go away. But if you want to find out who's down the ticket, county supervisors, who's Second Amendment supportive, that's what we want to do. And next week, we're going to have a show focusing on that. And also, here's the way you look at your at, at, at the uh, the ballots when they come out is if it's a bond measure to spend more money, just vote no. It's that simple. Be the, be the dad. Say no. And uh, that's how we that's how we vote over here. Folks, joining me on this show. They're sitting here very patiently in the wings. I have Stan Campbell. Stan Campbell, longtime friend, ccwsafe.com. We spell that uh, ccwsafe.com. And he's CCW Safe is a prepaid legal. Dan? Oh, uh, listen, it's, I, I wasn't even looking at you. CCW Safe is a legal service membership plan for concealed carriers and those who have firearms to defend them, their, themselves and their family at home. Um, we are really the best in the nation, uh, best coverage, most experience with over 75 years of law enforcement experience, over 35 years of, 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 of attorney that work self-defense cases. Uh, so come see us at ccwsafe.com. And speaking of attorneys that work self-defense cases, we have Andrew Branca. Andrew Branca is an attorney at law. His website is lawofselfdefense.com. All different kinds of information to get there, all different levels of services. You can find out more at lawofselfdefense.com. Andrew, welcome to the show. 
A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me back. Oh, thank you for your time. Um, one of the things we want to go over today, and this was very important, Stan wanted to make sure we talked about this, are the five elements of self-defense from the legal standpoint and just observational standpoints, if you will. So, Andrew, can you walk us through those? Sure. In fact, I can do even better than that. Uh, almost every time I, I talk in any kind of program, they ask me to talk about these five elements of self-defense. So we've actually pulled together a handy-dandy, totally free infographic that people can download that gives a brief description of those five elements. So if folks are interested in that, they can get that at lawselfdefense.com slash five. That's the numeral five elements. And just download it themselves. But I'm happy to step through it. And the reason this is important is because in, in all 50 states, self-defense law, self-defense law, people don't know, is a very old law. It goes back thousands of years. So it has a very robust foundation. And in all 50 American states, a claim of self-defense has five elements, up to five elements. That's true in every state, unless an element is waived for some reason. But those five elements are the building blocks. The good news is it's not rocket science, right? There's not 500 things you need to know or 50 things you need to know. There's only five elements you have to have in your self-defense claim. That's the good news. The bad news is you do have to have all of them, meaning all the required elements are cumulative. So to, to defeat a claim of self-defense, a prosecutor doesn't have to defeat it in its entirety. He has to cut out any one of those required elements. If he does that, the claim of self-defense collapses entirely. It doesn't exist anymore. So those five elements are simply the elements of innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. Innocence meaning you can't have been the initial aggressor, right? You have to be defending yourself against someone else's attack. If you're the initial aggressor, you lose the element of innocence, you lose self-defense. Imminence means the threat you're defending against is actually occurring or immediately about to occur. It's not some past event. It's not some speculative future threat that may or may not happen. If the threat's not actually imminent, you lose the element of imminence. Your use of force was not lawful self-defense. Proportionality has to do with the degree of force uh, involved. If someone's only threatening you with non-deadly force, like a shove, you're not entitled to use deadly force in self-defense. That would be disproportionate. You'd lose the element of proportionality. You lose self-defense. But if they're close Avoiding, enough to shove you, you could kick them in the groin. That's okay, right? You can use you can use that's equivalent my, my, non-deadly force against the non-deadly threat. That's my go-to exactly. move. That would be a proportionate response. We're going to play Pele. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, the element of avoidance uh, is actually pretty commonly waived. Uh, but what avoidance says is if you have an absolutely safe avenue of retreat, you're required to take advantage of that path of retreat uh, before you can use force in self-defense. Only about 13 states require this element of avoidance. You'll be pleased to hear that California is not among them. There is no legal duty to retreat in California before you can defend yourself. Making California, many people are surprised to hear this, a stand-your-ground state. Uh, now, you won't find a stand-your-ground statute in California. California doesn't have one. Uh, but statutes are not the only form of law. The other form of law is case law or court decisions. And California has court decisions going all the way back to the 1800s, making clear that there's no legal duty to retreat in California. And the California self-defense jury instructions tell the jury that this defendant had no legal duty to retreat before he could defend himself. So that's good for Californians. Um, reasonableness is kind of an umbrella element uh, that covers all the others. Everything that you perceive, that you decide, that you do in self-defense has to be the conduct of a reasonable person. 
an unreasonable perception of a threat, for example, would not justify the use of defensive force. Your perception of the threat has to be reasonable. So whichever these elements are required, and there's only up to five in California, there's really only four because avoidance is not required. Uh, whichever elements are required are obviously required. So when you claim self-defense, the prosecutor's job is mission in overcoming your claim of self-defense and getting that conviction is to destroy, disprove beyond a reasonable doubt any one of the required elements. If he does that, your claim of self-defense collapses. You know, and it's important for people to keep in mind that when you claim self-defense, what you're, what you're not doing is you're not saying it wasn't me. You're not saying I wasn't there. Someone else did this. What you're saying is it was me. I shot that guy, but I did it with the legal justification of self-defense. Well, if the prosecution destroys your claim of self-defense, what's left of that statement? Essentially a confession. That's very important. And, and people need to understand the prosecutor, when he's sitting down with you and having a cup of coffee and saying, so tell me what happened. This is not your friend. The, the, he has a job to do. And, and although it might seem like he's on your side because you think you're on the side of law enforcement, you're a good guy. Mm -hmm. It they are not on your side. They're there to try and, to push an agenda, which is you're across the table from me. You're going to lose. I'm going to put a win on my column so I can run for mayor later. <laughs> and and that's what they're focused on. Uh, Stan, you want to talk to that? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, really, like, of course, everyone knows that I've spent 20 years as a police officer and, you know, I've been on both sides now. I say both sides because now we defend those who are involved in self-defense shooting. So I'm not trying to put anybody in prison, although I did for 20 years. You know, as we move forward and we think about the jobs of law enforcement, prosecutors, you know, uh, district attorneys, you know, we think about how, you know, they are doing their job. And although you are in aligned with what you believe is self-defense and righteousness or righteous shooting, uh, you know, it's still their job to do what they're supposed to do. And sometimes that's politically motivated. So you have to also, you know, think about that, um, you know, make sure that you contact your attorney. You know, one of the reasons why we bring, bring Andrew here today is so that you guys have an understanding of, you know, what can help you uh, to be, you know, to, to keep you from being more uh, susceptible or um, more vulnerable to being, placed in prison and, and being convicted and to give you a source to give you a, so who's your attorney well you know what i don't have an attorney all the mm -hmm. time to defend me on criminal actions why because i'm not a criminal right, right. so this is the first time thing so you want to find somebody like andrew branca law of self-defense.com is one of the ways to get a hold of them ccw safe you can have their phone number in your wallet if you're smart i think that's a first sign of intelligence there let <laughs> make sure you have that plan and that you're you're right side up on the right side of the law. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Boomstick Radio, and you know, Every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, all the great stuff afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Now, our longtime faithful companion to uphold these rights has been our sponsor, Vince Torres of Bullseye Sports, Guns, Ammo, and Riverside. And if you're not armed for protection or recreation, well, shame on you. 
Head on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside where you need to go for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammos, accessories, big arms, and much more. After you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitudes essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. For more information about the certified courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Visit their website at bullseyesport.com for a schedule of classes, because at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Folks, joining me back here, I have Stan Campbell. Stan Campbell of ccwsafe.com. It is the program that I use. I have looked at all of them, and it's the one I have the most confidence in. They have a lot of strengths in their companies that other companies have as weaknesses. And maybe Stan will touch on that. But it's an awesome program. And... Let me just—I'm going to diverge for a second here. I didn't even tell you about this, but I was at—I sure. was at a uh, CCW class recently, and a gentleman was giving a presentation on some legal service or insurance, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and what he says is, if we think we you broke the law, you're not covered. Mm-hmm. And and um, that's nice for them to make that decision before you're convicted if they think you broke the law. So mm-hmm. Touch on that. Well, you know, uh, first of all, no case is the same. Okay. Um, all of these services across the, the board, and there's, there's only a few major ones now, uh, of course, we're up top as well uh, nationally, but we, we all have uh, policies that uh, keep our members from, you know, haphazardly breaking, being felons. You know, we, we want to make, take care of, you know, responsible armed citizens. Uh, we don't want gang members joining our service. No. So, um, you know, drive-by shootings, you know, uh, all the above. You cannot do now when it comes down to self-defense cases, um, the, the strength with CCW safe is that we respond from on your call. So if you, you make the call, we respond. Case in point, we had when you look at, you know, the we're the only ones in the nation that actually had a, um, a murder trial for one of our members from, you know, from the beginning to the end, all the way to acquittal and to a not guilty verdict. And uh, with the with the Stephen Maddox case. Uh, we recently also had uh, one of our members uh, who had two other major companies um, uh, at the same time. So he had three services and um, it was on a holiday. It was a Thanksgiving shooting and he called all three of us and CCW safe responded. And what I mean by responded is not just answer the phone because the others did answer the phone. We actually respond to the location and we took care of the member. Um, one of the other major companies who's now not in business, you know, stated that, uh, call your homeowner's insurance, although this deadly force incident didn't occur at home. And, uh, the other, uh, waited until four days later because everybody was on holiday. So the attorney didn't call him back for four days. I'm not mentioning any names because I'm a professional, but the bottom line is, you know, within 18 hours, you know, on a holiday, we had a homicide detective there on behalf of our member and also an attorney who got ahead of the case uh, and, you know, had a relationship with the homicide detectives there in that state, along with the DA's office. And we were able to get ahead of it and dissolve the case. You know, it's one of the things that is great about having experts as well, like Andrew Brinka, who, uh, you know, just his written opinion can uh, assist a DA in understanding that um, uh, that the the actual force and action was legitimate. 
So, you know, one of the strengths of CW Safe, like you were asking about, is the fact that we respond. We have a critical response team in which we do boots on the ground. We're the only ones with boots on the ground. We cover the highest bond coverage. So our basic starts at $500,000 bond coverage. Uh, and people don't really understand that when you have these these other associations and businesses that, that have, you know, steps where your your legal defense has caps, you don't want to run out of money. Because once you run out of money, then there is true out-of-pocket expenses, although they market that there's no out-of-pocket expenses. There is, because these cases can run from 200000 to 500000 and more. And so we, we defend you. We, we, we don't have reimbursement. Uh, and then we also um, we cover appeals as well. So we're just a strong product, and you know that's the importance of having our experience, the experience with the criminal justice system and us being former police officers. Um, we know what we're doing. So that's that's our strengths. You know, one of the other things you wanted to bring up, and I think it's very, very important. Uh, it's number two in Andrew Branca's five elements of self-defense, and that's the eminence of a threat. Absolutely. You know, and, and speaking of eminence, um, you know, there's cases now. Um, well, just across the, the board, uh, let me stop to say this. You know, there's three things that you really need to think about when you purchase a firearm for the uh, uh, for the purpose of, of defending your home or carry. You have to think about the first fight, which is defending your life. So what do you do? You continue to train. You do your your um, your indoor training, your outdoor training. You continue to train to make yourself uh, to protect yourself and, and cover you so that you can defend your life and make it through that first fight. The second fight uh, is twofold. One is you can get ahead of it by having knowledge of things like the elements of self-defense so that, uh, you know, like um Andrew Branca states, you know, you know, to make yourself uh, less susceptible to to being convicted, you know, harder to convict. And, you know, the third thing is coverage, you know, having a strong team behind you to give you the attorneys needed to, have, to hire that dream team for you to keep you from going to prison and to to protect your financial stability. So you have to have those three three things in place. And that's the reason why, you know, you know, we connect ourselves with people like, you know, Larry Vickers for training, Andrew Branca you know, for the knowledge of, of everything law of self-defense, uh, and, you know, Don West, you know, we have the best in the nation associated with our association and our company. That you do. Yeah. So one of the things people have always heard about is this, the Tuller drill, a yes, 21 sir. foot, uh, rule of thumb about how fast somebody can react. Correct. And that, that comes into eminence. You want to yeah, so that, that that's a and that's two part. You know, uh, training very important. Understanding, you know, the distance, you know, uh, between you and attacker. You know what can happen. Uh, the importance of the Tula drill. You know, discussing what someone with an armed weapon could do. Uh, and, and, and distance and how fast. is your friend. Distance is your friend. Distance is your friend. What people forget about is that you know objects are your friend, like your car, kind of stay inside. Right. You know. And and you know personal distance. If somebody is close enough to push you, you've already given up your reaction space. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that, that it discussed. And, you know, when you think about it, if someone's in your personal space, which you're talking about within th three feet, and they pull a weapon on you, going to try to grab your gun, you're going backwards. Yep. You have to actually attack their weapon. Like, you know, I have to control them physically. So you have to be physically fit as well. Think about, you know, that. But, you know, but what we're discussing today is, you know, not just the fact that, you know, this drill is good for you to know. But you can't just lean on it. Some people, they have the false 
uh, perception that if you're just within 21 feet, you're good to shoot. The, the, I mean, it's dead. The person's dead to rights, pun intended. And, you know, um, but, you know, recently we had Don West and, and, and Andrew Branca, you know, discuss this. And we haven't even released it yet on CCW Safe Side. So it's we're featuring it, you know, this information for, for your audience today. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring uh, Andrew on today to talk about that. But, um, Andrew, um, can you kind of talk about some of the risk associated, the legal risk associated with, you know, um, you know, haphazardly, uh, you know, aligning yourself with the Tula drill, the 21 foot rule? Yeah, so the Tula drill really is a great illustration of how how much a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing, especially if it's misunderstood or badly taught. Yes, sir. Uh, and as you say, too often the Tula drill is taught as if if the bad guy is within 21 feet, you can just shoot him. All the conditions for the use of deadly defensive force have been met, and that's absolutely not the case. Uh, the Tula drill is a really important drill. It's a really important piece of knowledge to have, but it touches on only one of the five required elements of the claim of self-defense, the element of imminence. Mm. Is someone an immediate threat to you such that it would justify your use of force in self-defense? You still need all the other elements. You still need innocence. You can't be the aggressor. You still have to be using proportional force and so forth. But in the limited context of that one element of imminence, um, the tool of drill is really important. And it comes up in the context of someone threatening you with an impact weapon. Now, an impact weapon could be a, a knife. It could be a club. It could be their fists. Fists are impact weapons. Um, but obviously, if someone's 200 yards away with that impact weapon, they're not an immediate threat. They'd have to be closer than that. If they're within three feet of you, they're certainly an immediate threat. So the question becomes, well, what is the distance, the relevant distance at which they transition from not being an immediate threat to being an immediate threat. You know and what, that's what the uh, Andrew? Tells us. Exactly. And we're going to pick that up on the other side of this. Perfect spot for a break. Thank you very much. You teed this up perfectly. Folks, check us out at firinglineradio.com, ccwsafe.com, and Andrew Branca at lawofselfdefense.com. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! That's right, folks. It's another Mulan Labe Saturday. Philip Naiman here, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at firinglineradio.com, where all the podcasts are. Seven and a half years of podcasts. 
That's why I have so much gray hair. Anyway, folks, check that out. Also, Stan Campbell's here with us, ccwsafe.com, and Andrew Branca, lawofselfdefense.com, attorney Andrew Branca. Now, we came off that last segment talking about the Tuller drill, imminence, what is your threat assessment, what are the true threats, how is a court going to look at that? And I want to pick that up with Andrew right here. Uh, Once again, there's different levels of threats, different ways to perceive it. Andrew, you want to touch down on that again? Sure. So the tool drill, as we were talking about, really applies to this question of imminence. Is the threat you're defending yourself against one that's either actually in progress or immediately about to occur? And it tends to be an open question when the threat you're defending against is the threat of an impact weapon, a knife, a club, a fist. If the person's 200 yards away, they're not close enough to be an imminent, immediate threat. Um, If they're three feet away, they clearly are, but there's some distance in the middle there where they transition. They stop being a non-eminent threat and become an eminent threat. And the lesson of the Tuller drill, the value of the Tuller drill, is that it turns out that someone can become an eminent threat with an impact weapon at a greater distance than you might suspect. Uh, And of course, the lesson of the Tuller drill is that's 21 feet, because once they get to about 21 feet, they can typically close on the defender and strike with that impact weapon before the defender can effectively defend themselves with whatever tool they're carrying, their gun or whatever the case might be. Um, Now, we know this because Dennis Tuller, who was a police officer in Salt Lake City, ran his uh, police officers through this drill. How much distance can they cover in the time it takes a police officer to draw and fire his gun? And it turns out that distance is about 21 feet. Before the Tula drill was run, it was common for prosecutors to argue that, hey, this defendant's claiming self-defense, but the person he shot, the person who had the knife, was still 10 feet away or 12 feet away. He wasn't yet an actual imminent threat. Mm-hmm. With and the we, knowledge of the tool drill, we know that 10, 12 feet is more than close enough to be an imminent threat that justifies the use of defensive force, assuming, of course, the other elements of self-defense are also present. We've also seen some of these videos, dash cam videos, body cam videos of somebody with a knife, and they're coming. You know, And so maybe they the officer has a firearm drawn on him but the guy starts coming and even though he's been shot four five six times he's still coming yeah yeah and by the way these things happen incredibly quickly now i've never been a police officer like stan i've never been in the military but we do a lot of live classes where we run our students through a very high-end simulation system self-defense simulation system where they're shown a video of a prospective threatener uh, and they have to make decisions about how to defend themselves. And a lot of these videos involve uh, the aggressor launching an attack with an impact weapon, a, 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 a crowbar or a baseball bat or a knife, whatever the case might be. And what we learn just from the videos, and of course these are artificial, these are actors in the videos, so they're not actually trying to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. But man, when those guys decide to launch the attack and start moving, they are on that defender so fast, it's unbelievable. Typically a fraction of a second. Absolutely. Exactly. Now, how would they find more information on this? Well, a great place to find it would just be at our website, Law of Self-Defense. We talk about this stuff all the time. They can get our book, lawofselfdefense.com slash book, which covers this and almost everything else they need to know about self-defense law. But if they're not prepared to invest a few bucks in a book, uh, they can always just go to our website, uh, lawofselfdefense.com, where we have a blog and we produce new free content on this stuff every single day. Well, just about every single day. Um, so there's always something they can access there for free. And if they like what they see, they can become a member of Law of Self-Defense. They can get our book. They can take a course. 
get a DVD, any of the other things we do. Most of our efforts are designed to position law-abiding, mentally sound, armed American citizens so that they're well-equipped. First of all, as Stan said earlier, the top priority, folks, is always to win the physical fight. If you don't win the physical fight, everything else becomes much less pressing. So you have to win that physical fight, but you don't want to win it in such a way that you end up spending the rest of your life in prison. So we try to position people so they can win that physical fight so well within the legal boundaries for use of force that the prospects of even facing prosecution are greatly diminished. So tell me about your memberships. So memberships are just a way that we provide people with access to our uh, our extensive library of blog posts, training videos, instructional videos, podcasts. Our members get uh, our podcast is members only, so people need to be a member to get access to the podcast. Memberships only about a quarter a day. <laughs> we don't charge a lot of money for this. Uh, it's just enough to justify our effort in producing this content on a, a nearly daily basis for our members. And if people want to learn more about that, they can just point the browser to lawselfdefense.com slash join, uh, and they can see we have various levels of membership. Bronze membership, lowest level, is free, folks. It doesn't cost a penny. You're crazy if you don't do that. Uh, silver membership is our most popular because it gets access to the podcast. And I say, as I say, it's only about a quarter a day, and not a large investment and making yourself hard to convict. It's important. And this information is something that you can't hear once and always have it in your mind. This Correct. is, we need to be common on this. And, you know, that's why I love having Stan on the show as we bring these things up over and over again, not only because we have new listeners all the time, but it's a refresher course. And you have to understand this. This has to be part of your natural makeup is how you present yourself you know That's you have right. a ccw you're not a gunslinger this isn't wyatt Earp, right mm. of course he carried an 18 inch bunt line i'd love to see you carry that in appendix carry but anyway so it's you know it's it's different and we're in a state that would love to convict any um anybody for a firearm crime Correct. For defending themselves. You yeah, know? And, and, and I'll tell you just from real world experience, and I'm talking about us covering, you know, members here in California and, and across the nation, you know, um, even the members that have been just, um, you know, charged been brought against them for brandishing. I mean, these these DAs here, these prosecutors in California are very aggressive. And, you know, just a small case like that and 10 to 15 thousand dollars, it cost us brandishing. Tell me about that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, displaying your firearm, you know, believing that, you know, there is a threat as well. You know, um, you know, if and we tell our members, you know, if you're going to pull out your 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 firearm and your weapon, you're going to display your firearm. Make sure that you know that you have the right to use it. So, you, I mean, someone spits on your shoe. Don't point your gun at them. Someone looks at you, you bad or cuts you off in traffic. Don't show them that you have a firearm. You know, um, I can tell you that most of the cases I work on are, are not murder cases. They're aggravated assault cases. Absolutely. And these are cases in which an otherwise law-abiding person has a concealed carry permit for that gun they're carrying around, never been in trouble with the law before beyond anything more than a parking ticket, displays that gun in a threatening situation and ends up getting charged with felony aggravated assault with a firearm, which can be easily good for 10 years, 20 years in prison. Um, these are serious felony charges. The retainer on those cases for the lead attorney, I'm just a legal consultant on these cases, that lead attorney is typically asking thirty to $50,000 mm-hmm. for pretrial expense. Okay? So these are very legally hazardous and very expensive cases. And I'm, I don't know, maybe people have fifty grand sitting in the paper bag. 
in case they need it for this purpose. But if not, not the law being a member of something like CCW <laughs> Safe is uh, is pretty nice to have. Yeah, and you know, and, and just and just to piggyback, you know, Andrew's thought, you know, like. Here, here in CCW Safe, you know, we we really you know take our job seriously. You know, I mean, we think about you. We think about. I mean, I mean, if you get involved in an incident, you know, you are our family member, and we're we're trying to fight for you as if you're family. And you know, you know, it's like Andrew said, these things are very expensive. You know, if you do have an injury case or a death case, please understand that the attorneys that we hire for you are, are requesting a hundred thousand dollars for a retainer, and that's pre-trial stuff. And then it goes from there, you know, just to get you through. And, you know, with the with the Stephen Maddox case, he had to wait for two years before just close to two years, 21 months uh, before uh, his um, his trial. And and he had an ankle bracelet on. So he was, you know, held down. And, um, you know, it, it was a two week trial. So, I mean, this stuff, it, it changes your life. Just please remember that if you take a life, it's not free. It's going to take your time. It's going to take money. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't take your freedom. Uh, but you need to have a strong group behind you. You have to need a strong organization. And that's what we're here for. And, and, and again, this is the reason why, you know, I reach out to my friends like, like Phil on the Fire and Line Radio Show. We try to get the information out to you guys. And I have great friends like Don West and Andrew Branca who are, you know, the best in the industry. And, you know, um, we lean on them because they, they help keep you out of trouble, avoid, deescalate and only use deadly force, you know, uh, as a last resort. You know, distance is your friend. And if you can escape, escape. You know, think of it like you're a giant buck, right? A big old deer. What does he do? He's always got his head up looking around. He knows where the situations are. He doesn't put himself in danger. And that's your number one responsibility because you're there with your family. Don't put yourselves in danger. Don't Brandishing is stupid. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to fundamentally change your life. Mm. Because some idiot made you mad in your branch. That is just the worst thing you can do. So, folks, watch out for that. Use your head. Uh, give Stan a call, ccwsafe.com and Andrew Branca, lawofselfdefense.com. I hope you become one of his members, not one of his clients. Absolutely. Right? Folks, we'll be right back after this with a very interesting decision from the California Appellate Court. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. You know what else is best in life, folks? Free stuff. Podcast, Firing Line Radio Show, FiringLineRadio.com. The podcasts are free. And check this out. If you go to LawOfSelfDefense.com, LawOfSelfDefense.com, you can sign up for the bronze, 
membership for how much? Free. Zero. Exactly. Um, Stan's not free. But he's worth more than uh, we are. You know, hands free. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, back with Andrew Branca, Law of Self-Defense. He's a uh, self-defense attorney, self-defense expert attorney. Stan Campbell, ccw.safe. And we just talked a little bit, well, I've talked a lot about very important issues, but California just came out with a new decision. And Andrew, since you're the one who's read it cover to cover, we're going to lean on you for this one. Yeah, what was interesting about this decision isn't that it's unusual law or that it's even unusual for California. Um, It's that most people, um, most normal law-abiding people, misunderstand how the law works in this context. And by this context, I mean how much force are you allowed to use to defend yourself against a punch? Someone's throwing a punch at you. What amount of force are you allowed to use and still have that be lawful self-defense? In this California appellate court decision, Someone had been convicted of murder because they punched somebody and the guy died from the punch, fell over, hit his head, uh, died from the punch. And he said, well, you can't convict me of murder because punches don't normally kill somebody. How, so how was I supposed to know? And the appellate court said, nope, we're going to let your murder conviction stand because the victim actually died. So clearly it was deadly force. You actually killed the guy with your punch. Was he arguing for, for a manslaughter or something else? Unless, well, of course, they're always arguing for a new trial and then hoping at the new trial that they'll either get a manslaughter or they'll get a crazy jury who'll just let them go entirely. It's always better to have a second bite at the apple. If you've already been convicted of murder, anything's better than that. Yeah, what else you got to lose? Right, Right, exactly right. Um, So normally, when the law looks at a thrown punch, uh, the normal default position of the courts is a barehanded punch is a non-deadly force attack. And they're thinking of the traditional kind of fist fight between two guys of similar size, strength, and fighting ability. It's extremely rare in that circumstance that anybody dies or Mm -hmm. suffers serious bodily injury in a traditional fist fight. And the courts don't want to provide a justification for either side in the fist fight to escalate what was just a fist fight into a deadly force fight, uh, pulling a knife or pulling a gun by claiming, well, that guy's punch could have killed me, therefore I was justified in shooting him. The courts don't like to do that. Now, there are circumstances in which a punch, a barehanded punch, can be deadly force mm-hmm. against which deadly defensive force, like a gun or a knife, would be justified. But typically it involves situations in which there's some aggravating factor. Uh, the two people fighting are not a similar size, strength, and fighting ability. One's much larger or stronger or has an exceptional fighting ability the other person doesn't have. Or there's multiple attackers, even if they're all unarmed, uh, that creates a disparity of numbers, makes it possible for them readily to inflict death or serious bodily injury. Or the victim is unusually vulnerable to death or serious bodily injury. They're, they're infirm or they're older or they're on blood thinners. So a punch that wouldn't kill a normal person could well kill them. Mm-hmm. One, if those aggravating factors are present, then there's a legitimate argument to, for a defender to say, hey, that punch, I reasonably perceived it as a deadly force attack, and therefore my use of my gun against it was deadly defensive force. But you better be able to articulate what those aggravating factors are if you're going to use your gun to defend yourself against the punch. And again, if somebody is punching you, you've given up distance. So your number one thing, I mean, distance is your friend. Yeah. And uh, action beats reaction almost every time. Yeah, it's the same thing when you think about, you know, being ambushed, you know, 
um, in most cases, uh, concealed carriers are reacting to some type of aggressive move. If somebody you know ambushes you, you know, and you're taking that split second could be just under, you know, a second or more uh, to make a decision and, you know, to evaluate the threat. And, and, you know, you're doing a threat assessment as things are moving toward you. So you have to think about all those different things, you know, a lot's going on. And, you know, it's, it's funny about this case, too. Um, Andrew, just maybe you, you gave me a flashback because, you know, I've been involved in a lot of uh, violent encounters as a police officer in 2001. Uh, myself and another off-duty officer with our wives, we we're out at a, a restaurant. And um, when we left the restaurant, we were uh, well, actually, initially he was targeted. Um, my friend and his wife was targeted and they waited for us to separate. And it was the eight uh, Asian gang members um, had uh, attacked him in his car and they, they were trying to pull he and his wife out. And, you know, uh, of course, um, I saw the what was going on. And initially I thought that it was a carjacking. So I went down to a system. Uh, this is in Oklahoma City. Um, and I went down to a system and, um, you know, they scattered. You know, my partner was the only one that had a firearm. Um, he, we ended up catching one and he was on the ground with the one person. He had the firearm. I had nothing. Five of them came back, surrounded us. Uh, I kept them back, you know, you know, just with my fist initially. Um, you know, I did knock one out. I knocked one of them out that was trying to flank. If you've seen the size of Stan, you know that's true. Well, it, it's, it's just a true yeah. story. It's just one of those stories where, you know, I'm trying to defend. I, I have both wives up, so I have a lot going on in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so I'm trying to protect everyone. I knocked the one out. And then after I knocked him out and sure enough, later on, the fireman came by and they thought he was dead. But that aside, um, you know, um, I had, you know, four more people to deal with. And then they picked up pieces of cinder block. So, of course, now now that's four gets one and they got cinder block. And I so I reached over to my friend and said, give me the gun. So sure enough, you know, I I had the opportunity at that time. I kept them back with verbal commands, but I could have easily shot off four of them. But I didn't, yeah. uh, you know, because it was just one of those where it's like I got to think about backdrop. I got, you know, the women to think of, you know, I can't get locked up with anyone uh, in reference to engaged physically. Right. But but this yep. stuff is real. You guys have really got to think about, you know, these encounters happen. And when they happen, they happen fast. And you have to think. And you can't go to the ground with one guy if there's more than one. Correct. But yeah, um, so that's just a little story back and forth. But but yeah, so um, continue to talk about the, um, the the California case because that's very interesting. Yeah, so the, the the way California applies that law is, is the way most jurisdictions do it. And of course, obviously, in your scenario, Stan, once the guy picks up the rock, it's no longer an unarmed attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, once there's multiple attackers uh, or a disparity of numbers in attacker, I don't care how good you are with your hands. Uh, defending yourself against one person is one thing. Against two or three people is an entirely different matter. It's really impossible to do. Um, so that, again, creates a circumstance in which now they are readily capable of inflicting death or serious bodily injury. And that's the condition that must be met in order for deadly defensive force to be justified. The key thing, however, is, as you guys say, the time to think about these things is not in the fight, folks. It's too late then. Absolutely. Uh, you have to have thought about this and brainstormed it out and planned your strategies well beforehand so that most of this, to the greatest extent possible, is kind of hardwired. The decision-making is hardwired. I don't mean you shoot people by reflex. I mean, you, when you find yourself in a confrontation, you're not thinking to yourself, oh, my God, I never thought this would happen to me. You're thinking to yourself, you know what? I thought this might happen to me someday, and this is what I've planned to do in response. So you have at least the broad outlines of what you're planning to do, and if you're smart, 
your plan was built in the context not just of what works and is effective tactically, but what's going to be legally defensible afterwards. You know, and one of the other things about going hands-on, you know, if you have a, a pistol on your belt or something like that and somebody tries to take it to the ground, a lot of guys like to carry their guns behind them mm-hmm. um, on the back of their hip. Well, if you've got a guy on top of you, good luck trying to find that, right? Yeah. And, and the other thing is, what if you have an appendix carry? Well, if you try and draw while well, he's he's you know a guard position or something he's got two hands right there Mm -hmm. he's going to see what's going on that's not a good thing either so when you're engaged like that you have to separate before Mm -hmm. you you go for your weapon or Mm -hmm. you're going to lose control of your own gun yeah absolutely you know and uh, and i've trained police officers for 20 over 20 years now and um you know 15 years as an active officer and you know five uh, years um beyond that and, you know, across the board, you know, because, you know, and officers, well, we always talk about police because they're kind of the standard. They get involved in more uh, cases of, of deadly force, um, you know, um, and then also, you know, more encounters in which uh, they're violent encounters. So we get to lean on these cases and try to learn from them. But, um, you know, they are truly the experts. So, you know, when you think about, you know, these different things and w- what to do, it's also important for you know, you to learn lessons, but we too, although I've had probably 3000 encounters where I've pointed my gun at people and 10 in which I could have pulled the trigger, you know, I, it's because I'm so well trained. I was on SWAT and, you know, the more training you get, the better decisions th- that you make. Um, you know, I mean, I agree with that. And I'm sure Andrew, you would think the same, right? Absolutely. You know, we all have limited bandwidth for making decisions and that bandwidth shrinks down to almost nothing under stress. Uh, you don't want that limited bandwidth that's left when you're actually in a fight to be devoted to wondering whether or not what you're doing is legal or not. You need to know that beforehand so that the bandwidth that's remaining to you under stress is bandwidth that's available to make the decisions that are actually going to save your life in winning the physical fight. And that's what it's all about. Folks, I want to thank my special guest, Stan Campbell, ccwsafe.com. Get involved with them today. And Andrew Branca, lawofselfdefense.com. If you're not a bronze member by tomorrow, something is wrong with you. So go to lawofselfdefense.com. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for what you do. My pleasure. God bless. We'll see you all next week. Shoot, Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.